something to you Ben you're driving to KFC you've just about to enter the drive through then a stranger calls and tells you there's a bomb under your seat do you keep driving do what he says or are you hell-bent on crispy strips what's your uh what what do you do what if, it, look, if it's hot rod season <laughs> I'm getting those hot rods <laughs> you can't beat a hot rod <clears throat> Can't no bomb can beat a hot rod. That uh, that scenario does not happen in the new Liam Neeson movie Retribution, but there's definitely a bomb under his seat. Well, I mean, look, the reality is, if I didn't know the number, I wouldn't answer the phone anyway. <laughs> That's true. Especially if I was just about to go through the drive-through, I'd be like, I'm not even checking that voicemail. No, no. it'd be all over for me. Mm. But I'd at least I've died happy with those hot rods on my lips. <laughs> We have the director of that movie on the show. Oh, fantastic. Yes, welcome to Good Movie Monday, everybody. This is the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings and Casey Go Buckets. I was going to say, do you reckon he likes hot rods? Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. I mean, it's Liam Neeson. Does he like it any other way? (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for listening, everybody. My name's Glenn Cochran. I'm partial to an original Philip Burger myself, um, but I did prefer them in the 80s before KC fucked them up. They had different buns, they had just a different texture, I consistency. I don't remember. Like I remember, I remember as a kid, I used to love KFC um, corn, the corn on a cob. You are just mad. Just get to get it. Absolutely. But when mental. I was a kid, they were they were really like juicy and succulent <laughs> cobs of corn. Now, when you have it, it's a dried out husk that tastes gross. You need to go to Red Rooster. Although they've cut them down in size too, so they take the half corn cob and then they slice it into four. Have you noticed? <laughs> Have you noticed now that the large fries at KFC ain't as large as they used to be? It's all like the the hot and spicy. Like I, I like to get myself a Zinger Stacker box meal <laughs> of a lunch, and it comes with two pieces of that uh, you know a hot and spicy chicken or whatever it is, boneless chicken. The, the, the last two that I had that they were the size of a fifty cent piece. You know what? If anybody working at KFC, you know, head office was listening to this podcast, they probably got excited, free publicity, and then we just shat all over them. So. It is, it's becoming, it is the worst mm. ever. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Ben Howig, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I'm hating on KFC. <laughs> yes. Uh, KFC, uh, not a sponsor. Um, but speaking we of... We wouldn't take their filthy chicken money. Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Yeah, we would. Speaking of Kentucky, we have the guys from the Bonehead <coughs> Weekly podcast on the show as well. They're going to come and take over the mic in a little bit. They should uh, record live at the original Kentucky Fried Chicken restaurant one episode. Totally. We could I do a live hook, hook, uh, link up. We could. Or if we went there, which is the, mm-hmm. the trip, that the Good Movie Monday road trip that we've always uh, dreamed about. Yep. I'm going to uh, Kentucky <laughs> to... Uh, Scarefest or Screamfest or whatever it is. Yep. That's, that's how excited I am. I, I can't even remember the name. <laughs> uh, but then we would just record live in the old in the old KFC. Oh, well, that'd be a good time. <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> we also have Jarrett Khan coming up on the show. We'd all have to dress up as Colonel Sanders. <laughs> From Monsterfest. <laughs> He's going to be talking about what's hitting physical media this week or what isn't. <laughs> that's, that's, a, the, that's the case with me. <laughs> that's right. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the director of Liam Neeson's new action thriller Retribution is on the show. His name's Nimrod Antel, 
and he's the guy who also made Vacancy. Uh, we both love that one. Love Vacancy. Predators, Armored. He made the Metallica Through the Never film, which was fascinating. I like that one a lot. You know who else likes KFC? Jared. Yeah. Jared oh, loves KFC. We all love KFC, mate. Who doesn't? Yeah, so we'll come back to that because I've yeah. definitely got more KFC banter on the agenda. But um, what's going on with you, Ben? What's news? Uh, you know, just working hard. We're getting ready, getting ready for the... Uh, the announcement for the rest of the program for Monster Fest, which yeah. isn't too far away, and looking forward, you know, locking down uh, Red Rock West and Lord of Illusions for Umbrella, and uh, working on a couple of new titles that they have yet to announce, and uh, exciting, you know, just uh, excellent day. You know. Yeah, how about you? What have you been up to? Oh, you know, just work and lots of screenings and all that kind of jazz. We um, we jazz, jazz. We uh, all that. Jazz, <laughs> we uh, we caught a screening together. We might talk about that a little bit later on. I think um, yeah. you did not come to one of the screenings with me, and it's a it's a film I can say what I saw, but I can't talk about it. So Saw Ten, I saw that. You did see Saw Ten. And yes, you'll it have was. To listen to an upcoming show before I can actually reveal what I thought of that. It was a weird time, and I realised that the only Saw film I've actually seen, <laughs> yeah. Is Spiral, which doesn't really count as no. a real Saw film. No, no, because like arguably Jigsaw and Spiral, which were the previous two, kind of just derailed the franchise, if anything. Yeah. So <laughs> that's right. I remember going to Spiral with you and you said you hadn't seen any. I hadn't seen any. Oh, I thought you might have rectified that in the meantime. No, I'm just, <laughs> like, I tell, if I want to watch torture porn, I'll, yep. I'll watch the Hostel movies. Yeah, right. Okay. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't, I don't, look, you would think that I'd be fine with the, with the, mm. like, I don't mind the. Con- I don't have a problem with the concept, mm. and I don't have a problem with the gore or yep, the, yep, the yep. violence or anything like that. It's just, oh, I don't know. It just can't be fucked. <laughs> Fair enough. The first one you could at least give a go because that if, is. If I'd have seen it at the different. time, it yeah. would have been great. Mm. But now that there's ten of the fuckers, the interesting thing is the first one was never a sort of a torture porn movie. Like it was much yeah. more like a Seven Silence of the Lambs type of yeah. procedural thriller. But look, it's the same. It's the same with Hellraiser. Yeah. I, did, I didn't watch any of those. I watched Hellraiser three, <laughs> and went, I don't need to ever watch any Hellraiser movie again. And then only recently <laughs> I went back and watched Hellraiser. I'm like, it's pretty good. Number one's fantastic, but a completely different movie from Hellraiser three. Absolutely, it's a very simple film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very simple and basic, and in yeah. concept. But the the second one then is like but a Nightmare on Elm Street. But Pinhead's not really even in it that much. No, he's in not the even, first he's one. Not he's even not the main Pinhead. villain. No, like it's Frank. Yeah, he's just um, he's and a servant the, and the woman. Yeah, he's a servant that comes along. You know, yeah. Even in the book, he's barely in it. Yeah. Anyway, there we go. Uh, where can people find us, Ben? They can find us on all the social medias. Absolutely. We're on all of them. TikTok, Facebook, Instagram. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we on uh, X? We're on X, but it's more just the episodes every week automatically go there. We don't go out of our way to post. And are, are we are we, um, are we forecasting, prognosticating the end of the earth on threads? <laughs> well, that died in the water that like died in the water. one week after it started. I still, ha- I still get notifications that people are following me on threads. Yeah, right. Like, okay. Oh, are no, they? I'm no. not following them. No, it's... it's a- the whole like globally that thing just died. Just died. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So. I think it will be it needs to be rediscovered by like a niche group of like <laughs> incels or something and then it will uh, yes. or the alt right. Or <laughs> yeah. you know, neo nazi like needs, they've got their platforms. Yeah. yeah but it needs but that's what it needs. It yeah. needs it needs some fringe group. <laughs> You know, to <laughs> that's what it needs. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, and uh, to build it up, start small. Because once they're on there, then come the haters, like yeah. the, you know, the opposition. Then back to Twitter. That's right. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> uh, but well, you can also find us at GoodMovieMonday.com. That's the one, and from there you can actually find your way to all those social media platforms. So that was a big waste of time. Yeah, <laughs> that's my middle name. Yeah, but YouTube, 
as well. We do uh, drop videos all through the week. Most nights we have a different video. Some of them segments from this show. Some of them else or others. We have another podcast Wednesday up late that I record with Chloe. That has a video every week. Go check it out, everyone. And there endeth the intro. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> when are we going to talk about movies, Glenn? <laughs> <laughs> Go to Newsly.me, download the Newsly app and start listening to Good Movie Monday the right way. Newsly is the super app that lets you listen to all of the podcasts that you love, but they also have all of the news from around the world, all of the highest trending articles from over 80 different countries they put into the palm of your hand depending on your own search criteria. So whether that's movies that you love, you might be into politics, you might be into sports, whatever it is, they will have you covered. And because they love us, they have a special offer for all of our listeners, that being you. So go to newsly.me, download the app now, use our exclusive code, which is Monday without the O-M-N-D-A-Y, and you can get an entire month of their premium service, which offers you a whole lot more. Go to newsly.me, the code is Monday without the O, start listening the right way. All right, so we've got Jarrett here. And look, guys, I've, I've done the liberty of having a cheeky look at what's coming out this week. So, Jarrett, it was great having you. We'll see you next week, mate. Next time, gentlemen. Until then, stay physical. <laughs> no, it really is one of those weeks, like literally nothing. I can't even talk about that DVD format because there's nothing <laughs> even coming out on DVD this week. It's, it's yeah, it's a bit unusual. And I, I've got no reason as to why nothing's coming out. I mean... There's so many titles coming out this month. I think they could have just like spread them out a bit, but that yeah, means I've... no reason to be here. <laughs> just, Pretty much, uh... <laughs> but I do have news. I did bring news. I never come empty-handed, gentlemen. So oh. I do have some news. Awesome. What were you going to say, Ben? I was going to say it's just a, a searing indictment on the state of physical media. Yes, I. But the, you know what's funny? I was on the phone with. Uh, <laughs> I won't. I won't name names, and I because you know I might say some things. And anyway, it's someone that works for a distributor you know and they're they're a production manager it wasn't ben by the way um at at a label and they had said it feels like it's a new like it's a new dawn of physical media and particularly locally because despite there not being that many you know retailers for physical media at least in the physical marketplace i mean mm. online sure you've got saturday and easy dvd as well as the others there is a renewed interest among those specialist retailers with the physical media and now they're giving these independent labels yep. more attention and you know it feels like a bit of changing of the tides and so Not we may see yeah. distributors come and go yep oh and they actually did confirm to me about the fact that yes the universal sony product is going to move to not Pinnacle, but to all interactive distribution, which is essentially the same company they own mm -hmm. Pinnacle. Yeah. Uh, and that is happening and the handover will happen early next year, but effectively it won't change anything. Yeah. The, it may even increase the amount of output because as Universal, Sony and Paramount all unwind on a home end and go through, you know, this third party for distribution, they'll be able to concentrate more on those titles. Yep. Not to so mention, we may I think actually see some more this week as well is a little bit misleading, you know, because last week they just dumped a shit ton on us. It's like they could oh, have totally. just stretched it out, you know, and just had totally. something each week, you know. Absolutely. I mean, even Viavision last week, you know, we had release, and we've got more releases for them next week. So they've sort of spread it out over the course of of that period as well. So yeah, look, I think I don't think it's an indictment of 
what's to come i think you know it's an exciting and unusual era that we're entering and and if anything you know labels like umbrella and fire vision are now sort of thriving more with the collector market and producing these incredible editions that are world class in terms of being able to you know not only acquire titles that are hard to find globally but then actually go all out with these special editions and commission you know interviews with, with these filmmakers mm. and whomever overseas obviously it's tough at the moment trying to get any actors to talk or writers to talk about films mm -hmm. if they're sag members or yeah. wag members but, or um, whatever but did you hear that be sag members did you hear that ben world yeah. class and you're responsible for some of those mate proud yeah, that's a, oath, yeah. i was gonna say it's just in time too because uh the manufacturing costs have have uh jumped up by about 15 percent oh, over the last God. couple of months so well, i'm the, sure the, that i'm sure the consumers won't mind paying 15 percent more it just means they may actually have to support the releases the week of their release rather than waiting for the next 20 percent off sale at a retailer yeah. or something like that yeah i think that if anything that's something that we should try and reinforce out there it's like it's great to get a bargain. I'm all about getting a good deal. But at the end of the day, if you want to continue to see these great releases, we've got to support them and got to get out there and support them within like at least the first three to four weeks of its release. That's just right, yeah. to show that the market's there. And, and, and that way that more money is going back to the distributor. And at the same time, there's more money going in the pocket of the retailer. Everyone wins. And there's uh, only and there's so many sniper movies they can make, you know, to keep exactly. Well, who knows? Now, when the Sony catalog moves over for distribution through uh, All Interactive next year, we may actually see some of those sniper movies come out on Blu-ray. They might do like a like they did the Tremors pack. They might do a Blu-ray <laughs> pack of all those sniper films. So, yeah. get excited! But anyway, Ooh. I have some news, gentlemen. Uh, new new date. This one I was waiting for a release date, and the release date's been assigned, and that's for Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Now. Now it's coming out November 1st, so it isn't too far away, but considering when it released theatrically as to its home entertainment date, it's a decent stretch of time and it's good to see a little of a window return. And I'm happy because it allowed me to save up a little bit more cash before I splash out and probably a steelbook or something of that nature for this title. And they've gone all out with the special features as well. They're not holding back. It's got a commentary. It's got like seven featurettes and they're actually really good featurettes, including one about the editing of the film deleted scene so it's a, it's a decent package and of course the 4k ultra hd will have that much coveted audio <laughs> format dolby atmos so i'm excited about that one i really enjoyed it saw it twice theatrically that is a um, rare treat that's another one that i've got interviews in the bank and i'm hoping 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 we can get them on the show that'd be fantastic oh, that would be amazing yeah. would uh simon Pegg be at all yeah among them oh, yep indeed wow. Hayley atwell Definitely. christopher mccrory and um oh my god yeah Tom. <laughs> that's how i say a name <laughs> oh no excellent Cruise, unfortunately no tommy Cruz. he was uh he was in melbourne which is where i am while i was in sydney so uh, <laughs> we just you know, cross paths we cross paths you know probably hanging out with the the biggest catfish of the yarrow i imagine <laughs> but who knows who knows anyway some other news gentlemen Field of Dreams is coming out locally on 4K. Now, this title has already been released in the States on 4K, but never got a local release through Universal. Well, ViaVision have licensed it, and they're going to release it on 4K. But they're also going to put the Blu-ray in there, which means we'll get all the special feature content. In the past, they haven't done that with some of the library titles, like Blues Brothers and Almost Famous, so we've missed out on some of that extra content. In this instance, we're not going to, and I mean... 
it's a terrific title, so it's great that it's actually getting a local 4K release. Mm-hmm. Uh, other news, To Kill a Mockingbird, another title Universal didn't release locally last year. I think it was, it's what, God, what would it have been? It's like 70th anniversary, yeah. something Six, like that? Yeah, maybe 70. I think maybe 70, maybe, yeah. Anyway, that one's going to get a release through Viavision on 4K. Only 4K, I believe, no Blu-ray component, but I'm not 100% sure whether maybe all the special features could be on the 4K because that has happened in the past, but that's coming out the same date on November 15th, so that's exciting. Then further to some news that I delivered, I think, last week with regards to the Equalizer 3, happy to confirm that's going to be 4K Blu-ray and DVD, so it is getting a 4K release. And I don't know if the first one... The first one definitely hasn't had a 4K release, but I don't know if it's still in circulation locally. It was a Roadshow title, and some of those I think it's Roadshow titles... Yeah, along with John Wick number one, which mm. the local release seems to go for a pretty penny because it's well out of print also. So yeah, who knows? Maybe it'll... I'd Look, I'd love to say they'd release a triple pack that Sony might pick it up and put it out as a three pack, but I don't know. I think those days are kind of past. But on that date, also a new title that's coming out, recently opened theatrically, and that's December 13th, is My Big Fat Greek Wedding Part 3, which I'm very happy to report they will be uh, porting that beautiful Photoshop theatrical key art to the <laughs> entertainment release. Oh, what a shocker that might, was. Might look more convincing on a smaller cover, I don't know. But yeah, it was just, I mean, I don't know I, how that happened. Yeah. There's, clearly no one's head looked like it belonged on anyone's body and they didn't belong in the one place. It was just- I'm just shocked that yeah. it took them so long to make Part 3. Like it was clearly the, the sequel that everybody wanted, loudly demanded, and the studios just said no. We're not going to do it. And then finally they capitulated. I'm, I'm curious to see it. I haven't, I, I, I actually it's... saw the second one at the drive-in when it came uh-huh. out. I'm keen to see the third. I like I, to think I they like waited because it got a good script. I I'd like, like to think movies. that. I think it all comes down to Nina Vavlos. Like, I think she's mm. the one that calls the shots here. Like, and maybe she was the, just not the Hollywood good. powerhouse that is Nina Vado. Well, she is well, in the Greek yeah. world. <laughs> she she might be she 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 knows her market and she might be treating it like an old school Star Wars kind of event rather than a Disney Star Wars event. So she's <laughs> pacing them out because nobody's calling to ask about doing a sequel to My Life's in Ruins. Um, so <laughs> maybe she's like. Wait. Maybe they had to wait for Greece to get out of their economic doldrums. Uh, <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. And then they managed to just get in there before the, you know, the flash fires and everything uh-huh. that's happened. Well, they there, were just so. they were just holding out for the old guy to die because maybe he was keeping them back. It's true. He wanted more coin because you know he was going to give it to his uh, grandchildren's college <laughs> tuition or something. Or, of or that they, lo- they lost their Windex sponsorship. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, did you see this one, Glenn? Out of curiosity, no, there, like yeah. there was a media screening that I only discovered. Mm after the fact like i'm like what ah like, it's just, damn. you know how now like they're just being very selective on who they invite to some of these things of course well and that's definitely one they wanted to get influencers along to clearly sure. they didn't realize how much i actually love the greek wedding franchise, franchise. yeah I do. absolutely like, I, we we spoke to um lewis mandalore about it like I was yeah like, I yeah was fucking don't say we don't say we we is in good movie monday yeah you you well we about the it show the show collective that's right i do recall the interview because i think you mentioned it at a point in time and he was sort of sworn to a bit of secrecy and yeah he was because clearly clearly they'd filmed it at that point because it wasn't that long ago yeah anyway damn these celebrities so good at keeping keeping the ndas yeah true exactly and we didn't even get an invite to the media screen admittedly i might have i just (laughs) probably didn't notice because it was 
yeah that that poster art you're talking about um like it's mm. obviously mimicking the design of the first two which yeah were yeah. good they got it right how do you have like an, a template to work off and still get it wrong i know it's maybe crazy. They, maybe if they did it over covid maybe they just couldn't get everyone in the room at the same time through yeah because of yeah, I'm sure like you could put that into the AI machine, right? And I, I sound like an old man, but you put it through one of those AI programs and you could come up with something better than that. Admittedly, it might have a secret penis in it or something <laughs> of an old school Disney cover nature, but that's just even a better treat. It gives you something to look at. Like, where's Wally literally? Mm. Oh, there it is. It's between Nina's legs. That shouldn't be there. It's holding it at the back of the image, remember? Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe they could take the unusual step of making the actors look like they actually do in real life. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. That would, true, true. That would be. Yeah. I mean, that would. Yeah, none of them. None of them would really stand for that. I think it's probably in their contract that they. Uh... Yeah. That. That's not going to get a my big fat Greek wedding number four in twenty thirty when we can anticipate it. If everyone's looking at like, Three's poster I mean, and going, yeah. "Geez, they look bad." I can't imagine what they look like now. I, I haven't seen it, but just going off the trailer, doesn't it just look like John Corbett's just tagging along for the ride? Like, yeah, absolutely. Like... It feels like that's his career at the moment, <laughs> yeah. though, really, doesn't it? Because that, what is it? That TV series, you know, um, uh, whatever the new Sex in the City series is. Yeah, yeah. And you know, people are disappointed he wasn't in it or in it enough, and then they put him in it, but then they say that he's a useless character and he's just really there. For a bit of you know scenery and just to to fill a tiny void or whatnot and that feels like it's you know long gone are the days of chris from northern exposure and i yearn for the northern exposure revival and bring chris back because he was fucking cool he was a cool ass character well he was cool in the first greek wedding definitely definitely but yeah now he's now he's part of the furniture so what can you do but anyway gentlemen that is all the news so despite the fact that there is not one single release hitting home entertainment this week we have still managed to have a great conversation and who would have thought it would end on my big fat greek wedding three i know i know just bring on podcast. the only the only podcast in the world that's having this conversation <laughs> <laughs> Howdy folks, Australia Day is a great national holiday, so why don't you relax and enjoy it? You'll enjoy it more though if you include my Kentucky Fried Chicken. You know, <laughs> the show is called Good Movie Monday, Glenn. It is. But for a long time I've been advocating <laughs> for, a, for a follow-up podcast called Terrific TV Tuesday. <laughs> So we can talk about TV. All you've got to do is start it. And that's, yeah, I, <laughs> that's why it hasn't been started. I've not been opposed to it at all. No, <laughs> you've just been opposed to, uh, to me talking about TV on this show. That's right. Which is really, that's all the bandwidth I have. <laughs> and that's what I want to do in this segment. I would love to see a terrific TV Tuesday or hear a terrific TV Tuesday. I'd love to be part of it. It would be great. It would be, uh, we could just record it back to back with this. <laughs> He's looking for the to, easy way to make it To make it an extra long night. And, uh, or morning, I should say. Ooh. We'll get up at 4am. No editing, just straight onto the record it live. Live, and you can be part of it, people. And uh, yeah, you can phone in. But just be warned, I will not be answering my phone during the show. So, yeah, you just be wasting your time. But no, totally phone in. Well, that's when we find out how many listeners we really have. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Whole bunch of crickets. The, the, the true fans. Uh, so what are you getting at here? Uh, but I, I'm just getting. I'm getting at that. I'm, I'm going to talk about TV in this uh -huh. segment. Do you watch a lot of TV? 
I watch TV, but not a lot of TV. It's very hard for me to commit to a show. Right. Okay. Um, but I mean, but I, having said that, like, you know, spoiler alert, like you did prep me for this. You, I did know I you, did were, tell you were talking about TV. So I, I went back and looked at stuff I've watched over the last two years. And I'm like, I've watched a lot more than I thought I'd watched. It's pervasive. Yes. Thanks Thanks to streaming platforms. But there's, TV a, there's a lot pervasive. I haven't seen. There's a lot I haven't watched. That everyone. I hate it when people <coughs> tell you, you must watch this show. It's like, well... Yeah, but I really want to watch this one. Like, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's funny because uh, we're going to talk about shows you must watch right now. <laughs> Everybody, I demand strap it. in, strap no. in, strap <laughs> in. No, I've just been watching a lot of shows lately mm. that have just been great. Yeah. And like, there's, and it, it is disappointing now. It's, it's actually quite painful because most of those shows are continuing on. They have been renewed for new seasons, but because of the strike. Oh. Yeah. It's not, they're not going to happen until 2024, 2025 uh-huh. now. Yep. And that's a long time to wait between... Sh- I mean, you virtually have to start again. There's, there's shows that I was uh, I was big into, like uh, Beast, which I know you love, mm. on Disney+. Plus. Yep. It was just a little too long. Yeah. And now I can't remember what happened. And I have to go back and watch the first season again. Hang on, Beast or The Bear? Oh, The Bear, sorry, The yep. Bear. Yep, uh, okay, that's how. That's how long it's been. <laughs> Let me tell you how I watch TV shows. And the reason I don't watch a lot of them is because I just reserve one episode a night of something before I go to bed. That's how I watch TV. I don't binge television like a lot of people do. I don't know how people can do that. I just really haven't got it in me. But like I've got like, you know, it gets to, I don't know, maybe one o'clock in the morning, which is round about when I think I'm going to bed. It's like, oh, let's watch something. So something like The Bear, which is like 25 minute or 30 minute episodes. Perfect. I mean, I, I do a similar... A similar thing. I like to watch something while I'm having breakfast in the morning. Mm-hmm. I like to put on a show. It's a good way to do it. Put on a show for those, anyone watching, uh, I'm usually not wearing clothes, dancing <laughs> around my living room. And then I like to put on a TV show. <laughs> uh, and like I've been watching some great ones. Like There's some great British ones that I, I, thought, knew I thought I'd talk British. about. I knew you'd go British. I'd go, I mean, look, there's great American ones mm-hmm. too. But there's a couple of, the, what I love about the British shows is that they've always been true to the six episode format. <laughs> yes. Or eight episodes. Yeah, that's how I like it. The Americans are starting to come around because they spend so much money on an episode. It was, I tell you what, it is incredibly hard watching um, a show like uh, Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds or mm-hmm. Brave New Worlds, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Because if you, if you watch a lot of Star Trek, you're used to you know, seven seasons, <laughs> each with 22 to 24 episodes a season. Yep. This one, if it's ten episodes a season, and you kind of you get to the mid-season part, and you're like, oh, it's over. <laughs> Same with Picard. It's over for a year. Picard yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, Picard. I don't even know if they had enough story <laughs> to cover those ten episodes, let alone there's, uh, there's two lots of ten. There's there, three. There's three. three there's yeah. three seasons of it, but uh, I always was a bit dubious. Like, I, I did mean, do the first season. I must admit, like it's the first <laughs> Star Trek TV series I've committed to. I like. I did like it, but then. I, Watch well, even even the animated ones like Lower Decks and yeah. stuff like that. They're actually much I found to be much more entertaining than mm-hmm. Picard. Um, but I watched this. There's a great um, uh, British series that uh, may have slipped past a lot of people's notice called Zomboat. Right, I've it's heard on of Stan. This. Yep. It is ama- It's like it's these two girls escape a zombie apocalypse on their canal boat, and their canal boat goes. Just, and I say just, I mean just faster than the, the shambling zombies. <laughs> That's a great concept. <laughs> it is, it's hilarious. It's mm. a great, like they're two, you know, um, kind of, you know, British, uh, what are they, chavs yeah. kind of thing. It's great. 
Excellent. Uh, and then I followed that one up with an, with one on Disney Plus called Ex- Extraordinary or Extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like set in this world where everyone has superpowers. And they've all got like, you know, some of them have, have traditional, you know, I can fly or I have super strength or can turn invisible yep. or shape change. But then other ones just have stupid powers. Like <laughs> this one guy is like a 3D photocopy. You can shit out any... <laughs> Any object that you want. He literally has to squat and do a shit. That's excellent. But, you know, he's just like, you know, nothing too big. (laughs) (laughs) Or wide. Or wide, yeah. He's got, there's like a lot of rules and stuff. Yeah. And and, and then there's this, the show focuses on this one girl who is 26 and has, you get your powers at 18. She has not developed Mm. any powers and she's like, the only one, and everyone kind of treats her like a. This is a very good concept. I like it. Yeah, I, I don't <coughs> like like superpower type of shows. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah, th- there's no like her um her housemate's boyfriend decides he wants to start a vigilante group of, but they're all like useless superheroes <laughs> in this group because no one kind of does it. Yep. Everyone has superpower, so no one is a mm-hmm. a superhero or a supervillain. And the but <laughs> he develops these, he gets this posse together of. Uh, of kind of useless people. One, one guy he can summon uh, ocean creatures. Yep. But they're like in in London. So when he, <laughs> it takes a while for the so sea creatures to get there. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like a you know, a fish in the face kind oh, of thing. I might have to give that a shot. And then um, there's one fish girl. The she's, she's just a magnet. <laughs> yeah. She's like a human magnet. She's. It doesn't work all the time, but when it uh, does happen, you'll know it. And then he kind of turns away and he looks back, and she's just covered in paper clips and stuff. <laughs> It reminds me, they should have done like a TV show of Mystery Men. Remember the Invisible Boy? You got to yeah. look away from him to be yeah. invisible. <laughs> <laughs> when I get angry, I get really strong. <laughs> I dig well. What a great. Uh, yeah. The spleen. <laughs> he who doubts it, smell the talpet. Great stuff. Just pull my finger. Don't, don't pull his finger. All right, I'll let you go through a few more. How about I just reel off some names of shows I've watched? And if any All of right. them take your fancy, we can stop and talk yeah, and then come it. back to yours. So, The Bear, obviously, I think is probably the best one I've seen in a long time. <clears throat> Julia is one we both watched. Yes. Re- that is one I almost binged. Like I do maybe two or three episodes at once and that was compelling. Blackbird, which is fantastic with Taron oh, Egerton yeah. and um, the, uh, that Paul Watsonhausen or whatever his name is. I always get that mixed up with the with the Underground Railroad series with Ethan Hawke. No, I, was, I don't know what that's called. But this is the one about the prisoners. The, the, the murderer who figured out how to get away with murder by confessing to every other murder. So the police end up going, well, he couldn't have done it. He confesses to everything. Yeah, right. It's a true story. And then Taron Egerton has to go in and elicit a confession on the condition like, if you get the confession out of him, you walk free. Um, the choice was to stay in minimum security with comfort for the rest of his term or go to hardcore prison, maximum security, and get this confession. Federal pound me in the yes. ass prison. So that's a great show, Yellowstone, obviously, although that wore off a little bit. It still hasn't finished, and whether it will yeah. is another thing. It comes in, it, like like all shows that have been going as long as Yellowstone have been going, it kind of ebbs and flows. And now has its own universe with like 100 other shows that are attached yeah. to it, and there's heaps more coming, I think. <clears> the... Uh, Matthew McConaughey's taking over Yellowstone in the new series as yep. the lead character. So there's that. Obviously, Cobra Kai, Stranger Things. I really enjoyed those. Mosquito Coast. That's the one that uh, hit me. Love I loved it. Two seasons it. and they cancelled it before they got to the Mosquito Coast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, come on. Because like, I liked the, the journey, how they got yeah. from America because it's different from the other movie and the book. They really fleshed it out. And so it was a big chase across America into South America. You know, the feds are after them. Yeah. Uh, but we didn't get to the Mosquito Coast. We almost got there and then they just pulled the plug on it. It was such a good show. So they just didn't have the budget for all those mosquitoes. <laughs> I love Big Little Lies. 
that was good. I didn't watch that. Um, per- Nine Perfect Strangers, same same makers. A couple more. Top of the Lake, really enjoyed that. That's the uh, the New Zealand show. Jane Campion, I think, was the one that created that. Had um, oh, okay. Elizabeth Moss. Oh yeah. And our our old mate Clayton Jacobson in season two. Lovely. And Kim Gingell in season two, fantastic. Mayor of East Town was incredible. That's the one with um, Kate Winslet. Yes. Um, that's one of the best. I don't know. Would you call it a murder mystery? I think you would. It's kind of a modern whodunit. Yeah, it's kind. Yeah. Of, it's like a lot of those. Yeah, that was fantastic. And then I'll just end on an Aussie one with Travis Fimmel called Black Snow. Really enjoyed that one too. Black which Snow, is all yeah, about look. it. It's about a murder up in uh, Queensland in the cane in the cane country, yeah, cane, right. cane sugar country. And he's fantastic, Travis Fimmel. Like he's got such a presence on screen. And um, what's he from Sons of Anarchy? I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. And for him to come and do this, this there's Aussie a new show. Sons of Anarchy spin-off. That's oh, on there's now. Been a few. There was the Mayans and the Mayans. Yeah, Mayans MC. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I watched the first episode of the other day, and I'm yeah. like, ah, oh, yeah. I, I've got no time. I can take her early. I didn't even like Sons of Anarchy, to be honest with you. No. Yeah. Um, there's one that I think that you would really like. I think it's on Paramount Plus, um, which you can get through Prime, called uh, The Mayor of Kingstown. Yes, I, I've been dying to watch this. I've uh, not only been recommended it, but <coughs> I've seen people talking about it on. Various, you know, social media platforms. It is great. I haven't checked out the second season yet, but it does. It does start uh, Emma Laird. I think that's the first thing I ever saw Emma Laird in, and mm. she pops up in uh, in one of the movies that we're going to talk about later. Yeah, uh, she is a revelation. This girl, like, yeah, <laughs> totally unexpected, and she's like, she's kind of like a this kind of catfish character mm-hmm. who like works for the mob, and she's so good, so good in this show. Um, I did watch the, uh, I finally got around to, I thought I'd watched all of Justified. As it turned out, I had not watched the seventh <laughs> season. So I caught up on the seventh season, watched that. It was great. And then I jumped straight in. And that was so good. I, I jumped into uh, Justified uh, Primal City. Oh, yep, yep. Which is also great. It's a bit, um, it, it's not quite as good as Justified, mainly because of the support characters in this mm-hmm. season aren't as good, despite... It including uh, people like uh, I'm going to get this wrong. It's either Keith David or David Keith, <laughs> the one from the one from it from from, uh, from the thing. Yeah, yep. uh, D- David Keith. Let's go. I think with, it's let's David go Keith. with that. Um, yeah, he's in it, and um, I'm trying to think who else. Um, but it's you know, I, I, I uh, really, David Keckner pops up in it. I really enjoyed of, that know, show. My problem with shows like that when I'm starting, <coughs> if I see there's seven seasons for me to get through from the beginning, I'm like that's what puts me off. It's like I just haven't got the time. That's what I love because it means I, I like to get into a show. Legs, yeah, I mean, it, look, it backfired on me with Lost <laughs> because it, they <laughs> classic changed, example. They changed it around so often the time and I, I missed. I was like, okay, I'm just going to wait till it finishes, mm-hmm. then I can binge watch the whole sh- the whole show. Yep. I bought all the box sets. I have never gone back to do <laughs> Tell you what show never let me down. They only did three seasons and I wish we'd get more was um, Broadchurch. Mm. I think that's one of the best fucking murder mysteries of all time. I will say I didn't have much interest in... That's David Tennant, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah and, I, and Olivia Coleman. And Olivia Coleman. I didn't have that much interest in watching Broadchurch. And then I think on uh, YouTube I saw uh, David Tennant doing this thing with the, all the cast and crew of... Uh, Singing? Singing um, uh, the Proclaimers, <laughs> yeah, five hundred dollars. He does it on like, every production he's on. Yeah, right. Is so it, there's Doctor Who ones, and yeah, yeah. He's a big fan of that song. Yeah, and every production he's ever worked on, he has those videos. Has, yeah, right. But um, that was just a really powerful show, and like it, 
you wonder after the first one, we, we know the, the outcome, like who the killer is. How could they possibly build on that? And they do somehow. And then the third season is a whole new story that is just as powerful. Like, yeah, good and stuff. all just going on in the town of Broadchurch? Is it a town? It is. It is. Yeah. Um, like Mount Thomas, Crown Capital. <laughs> well, there's only really two crimes that, that take place in this um, three seasons, yeah, right. right? So it's not like a Mount Thomas situation. They um, don't have three other unsolved cases <laughs> that they're also working on at the same time, like real police. No, there's other police. They just, that, yeah. yeah, they just get to focus on <laughs> well, one crime. David Tennant floats into town like he's an outsider, and then for season two, he decides to live there. So it's sort of about his assimilation. Did, into I, did I ever tell you about my idea for a <laughs> for a movie? It was a surfer western, where the man with no name surfs into the into the beach. Amazing. That's how he gets. That's how he well, he just turns up like in a. In a poncho, but he's on a surfboard. Well, this is the thing. That's fantastic because if you think about it, every period piece movie or every moment in history that's been depicted on film, there's always been beaches. Yeah. Everyone, there. And there's always been wood. You can you can surf. That's right. <laughs> surfing Vikings. Well, that's it. Well, surfing... No, I don't want to say that one because that might be a real one. Uh, but yeah, you could totally... Like anything. <laughs> I had this great idea. <coughs> I had this great idea for a movie... That was basically a a Valkyrie, you know, Viking Valkyrie <laughs> time travel movie where they, you know, the the Romans are kind of closing in and mm-hmm. are are um they've been cut off from the rest of the Vikings. This this small tribe of Valkyrie kind of thing, and so their shaman yep. sends them into the future <laughs> to get uh, to to find allies. And basically, they end up in a like a western kind of town in. Like a, a western town, like a a desert kind of a desert town in in middle America, USA, Mate. where they run into like a motorcycle gang who they kind of beat the shit out of, oh. and it you know, turns out that they're part of like a local kind of crazy militia, and then they help Mate. the townspeople yeah. destroy the militia who are who are like you know like a <laughs> uh, what do you call it like a magnificent seven type I type can... gang that are harassing this town, and then they take the weapons back. Amazing to the past, use it to, to, and it changes history. You should do this because I know that Jeff Burr would love to direct that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I want Nim, Nimrod to tell. Uh, oh, he'd be good at it too. He'd be great. I do love him as a director, and um, let's push on because that's coming up. <laughs> Thanks for the segue. No worries. <laughs>
on this show, Ben. Kind of sets us apart from the rest, don't you reckon? I think it does. <laughs> you can catch all of the music. If you love what you do here on this show, it's on it's on a playlist on Spotify. Go check it out. So how many hours is that playlist? We're about 20 hours now. 20 hours. Yeah, so Good Movie Monday, The Music. Look that up. That's a playlist that you listen to if you're flying <laughs> from Perth to, to uh, Heathrow, <laughs> and, Heathrow and, and what a mixed bag it is. Yeah. It is a real mixed bag. Uh, anyway, so that song we just played was Blue Eyes Woman by The Go from the soundtrack to Armored, which is the Nimrod Antel uh, heisty kind of movie. It's a bit like Wrath of Man, you know, the um, nice. the Guy Ritchie Guy film. Ritchie film, I do. I loved it. Like, it, it really tanked at the box office, but I thought it was great. It had Matt Dillon and um, Lawrence Fishburne. It was just brutal. Oh, sorry. I thought you were talking about Wrath of Man. No, they Armored. They were not in that film. Armored. <laughs> <laughs> but it feels like Wrath of Man. The action in it is very similar. It's all, you know, that real... High tension armor. Well, you know, Wrath of Man is a remake of the French of a French movie called mm. uh, Bank Heist. Or Bank Truck. Funny, or funny you say that because I think it was called Money Truck or Money something truck. like that. Um, funny you say that because Retribution, the new Liam Neeson movie that Nimrod uh, directed, is also a remake. But get this: it's a remake of a 2015 Spanish film, which was then remade into a German film in 2018, which was then remade into a Korean film in 2021, which is now the Americans are having a crack and it's. Remade for us. Well, it's it. I mean, look, it's true. What William Friedkin, you know, Friedkin was famous <laughs> to complain about. You know, you're remaking Wages of Fear with Sorcerer, and he said, "No, this is just <laughs> William Friedkin's production of." Yeah, that's right. Wages of Fear. Totally. And I mean, I haven't seen the the other movies, and I don't really need to because I watched this one as a standalone, and I enjoyed it. It's. I mean, but but if you enjoyed it, why mm. wouldn't you then go back for some? You know, same but different entertainment. Well, I may. I think the, the um the the first the, the the Spanish one is the one that looks very very similar. Like I, right. I think this one is just you know just the same thing but with an American sort of um device. Yeah. But I did love it. What I liked most about this, and and as we alluded to at the start of the show, it is about Liam Neeson being in a car with a bomb under the seat and has to do with the uh, voice down the telephone tells him and the uh. I guess the does he verify that the bomb is in fact there or is yes that the he does no he does uh, the stakes are high because he's got his children in the back seat which is you know and they can't, obviously can't get out they can't get out either everything he does it's has like been speed. watched yeah it's it is very speed. much like speed um but it's really tense and what I loved the most is that Liam Neeson's character has no skills in this he's very vulnerable so it's against type. Um, <laughs> he's not even he's a, he's a wuss he's a real wuss I have a lack of a set of any skills yeah that's right I don't know who you are I don't know who you are <laughs> I don't know where you're calling from that's and right. I have absolutely no skills available to track you down <laughs> that's right that is really so where this film comes from to I begin with I will not find you and I will not kill you <laughs> that's right <laughs> do your best do your best <laughs> just 
just end it there. So I um yeah, I was lucky enough to catch up with Antel last week and um yeah, had a fantastic conversation which you're about to hear. But I want to say that I was not blowing smoke up this guy's ass. I am genuinely fanboying over him. I love his work. My question is, Glenn, I have not listened to this interview yet. Yeah. Uh, did you ask him about Liam Neeson pissing his pants in all those photos? <laughs> and whether or not it was it's it's like a a uh, internet fraud, like a fraudulent <laughs> prank. Well, that's or why. Um, legit? Th- that's why he pisses himself all the way through the movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> they just happen to catch him at the end of the day. Hello. There is a bomb under your seat. I will detonate. What do you want? It's money. Dad, what are you doing? I will get you out. And it. You know what? The second I saw your name pop up as an interview opportunity, I had to jump at the chance. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, I have been a keen admirer of all of your work ever since, like, Control. And, um, yeah. I've been, really getting my, I've been getting my butt kicked, so I do appreciate getting that kind of that kind of energy. Thank you. Oh, no. Well, you're welcome. I, I sincerely mean it. I, I came up through the video stores. I used to own one. And so your movies were the type of movies that I would always recommend. Um, I think you've got a very specific style or, or look to your films. How would you describe your style? It's it's interesting because I started Control writing a script and directing it, and that was something that I wanted to keep doing. Um, my, my journey has kind of led me down a different path of late where I'm more of a gun for hire, and I've been um, asked to direct existing screenplays. And... Um, it's it's a schizophrenic thing because on one hand, I do want to get back to writing my own scripts and directing those films. That's something that I feel I would be better at. Um, I do love the challenge of, of taking on other stories at the same time. And I've managed to raise a family making films, which is a miracle in itself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, a, a lot of times I'm, I, I'm not in the position of some of the cool kids where, you know, a, a reporter would ask, like, why did you decide to go down this path? And sometimes it's simply those were the opportunities that were presenting themselves at the time. And it's not as um, planned out as some people think, you know, sometimes you you take what's given and you try to make the best of it. And, I, and mm-hmm. I'd like to I'd like to remind people of that because this concept of the auteur deciding his how his career will be or her career will be formed, it's just not a reality in this day and age. Very few people are afforded the luxury of doing what I dream to do, which is to shoot my own scripts. And that doesn't happen for everybody. So I, I'm going to get there. It's just taking a bit of a... Uh, I'm taking a bit <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what? Like, I can look at a movie and and guess that it's yours. Like, I I love that about your work. Like, there is definitely a style. And if I before we jump into retribution, if I can just say, um, your movie Armored is a movie that I hold very special and near to me because my wife used to work as an armored truck driver. So we watched oh. that together, and <laughs> she looks at me and she goes, "That happens and that happens." And so I really I really love that movie. So Thanks. I wanted to get get that out there. Action movies are your jam, though. What makes a good action movie to you? It's funny you should say that because though I, I do enjoy watching action and I enjoy um, I enjoy conceiving it, like I enjoy sitting down and trying to come up with cool stuff, but I hate shooting it. 
I'm always <laughs> concerned someone's going to get hurt. And, um, you know, action takes a lot of, lot of things to, to make it right. And one of it is you kind of have to go for it. You know, you can't really, I mean, we're faking it ultimately, but even faking it, you got to have to go for it. And, yeah. but I love stunt guys and I'm always worried that they're going to get hurt or something. So for me, action's a strange thing, but when it's done and you're watching it, I love it. It's great when, you know, afterward, it's great before you have to do it. And it's great after you've done it, but while you're <laughs> doing it, it's not, not fun. You probably age a few years every time. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> I feel like um, it's only been a matter of time before you and Liam Neeson ended up working together. And I reckon that retribution is just relentless i think it's his most action-packed movie for the past decade which says a lot when you think about his work was there any hesitation um when asked to direct a studio canal movie with liam neeson you know clearly there's a lot of there's a lot of questions that come to mind you know he's he's made a few films how are we going to do something that's different and there's there's no real academic approach to it it's an instinctual one you're you're trying your best given the confines of what you have the space that you're functioning in and given the the tools that you're that, you, that are at your disposal um so there's always a bit of a concern but that concern actually could be for any movie to be quite frank you know a, cinema has existed for a hundred years how we capture dialogue is is you know, there's there's room to play around with it, and there's room to move, but you are you are trying to fall within a school that has existed for a hundred years, and sometimes when you just do things for the sake of doing things, and they're not grounded in the story or they're not related to the character, that stuff is what we call flash and and un, unspectacular flash for that matter, right? Mm, right, yeah. I feel this too is like for Liam Neeson, it's a it's a very different kind of role, although this is a a movie that people might expect him to be in. I don't think we've ever seen him in a vulnerable position like this, or at least not for a long time. And he has no skills. Um, and I think that adds a great amount of um, unpredictability to this movie. Uh, was his character always written that way, given his reputation? Yeah, I was, I was surprised that there was always a vulnerability in the character. And in modern day action films, you, you tend to see this, 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 paper thin kind of presentation of machismo and and the the what makes a hero cool in my eyes is is the struggle it's 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 not the ass kicking per se but it's it's the challenges and seeing liam not only um not only uh, embrace the vulnerability but really really he, he he knows how to to play it in the most sincere way i really really was impressed by that and I found that those elements were some of the most engaging in the film was was the was the heartbreak and was the humanity of it definitely um the drama is what elevates this movie for sure I also love the ambiguity of his morality um mm -hmm. that that makes it unpredictable like I certainly at one point I thought I knew where the movie was going it definitely didn't go where I thought it would so yeah. like even just to you congratulations on being able to deliver what I would say is, you know, a formula movie, and yet it is completely unpredictable. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And then, yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame how we've lost a bit of that of late. It, it seems that, 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 but isn't that the Instagram world? I mean, isn't that the presentation of perfection? 
and the presentation of happiness and the presentation of of, of cool and and in most cases it's lacking completely mm. reality yeah and i feel like that everything's I'm, I'm much more interested in a flawed person than i am in a pretty perfect person everything feels sterilized at the moment so i'm very much um appreciating what you're doing here and i think you were really lucky also just to um to get jack champion into this film because i really feel like he is a star on the rise um he's going to be huge in a few years and he's really good in this 100 percent. and and the kids you know in, in a movie like this it, it's tricky it could really it, they they are the linchpin essentially because mm -hmm. if, if they're not working and if those roles aren't working then given that they're in the car for so much of the film that could have really really been a challenge later on but both with jack i mean first of all jack fantastic actor super sweet super sweet human being and same goes for lily aspel again just really great strong performances and just really a wonderful but and this is usually in these kinds of scenarios it's kind of status quo just for a director to say what a wonderful cast he or her had but I really, really have to sincerely tell you that Matthew Modine, Noma Dumezwini, the kids, mm. John Champion, Lily Aspel, all of them were as gracious and as beautiful as Liam. So I really, really enjoyed working with them. Well, that's fantastic to hear, particularly when the, the kids are, you know, sharing the screen the entire time with him. Yeah. You know. And, 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 and yeah, and heavy lifting. Lily particularly, actually, now you say that, like her tiny little mannerisms really sold the family dynamic i reckon she sort of spoke for the family unit more than either of the others very well put yeah um and so speaking of the drama like a lot of the action takes place in the car um or i should say the drama takes place in the car while the action happens around it um where do you factor in when it comes to directing action and um and drama inside a car like was the car stationary most of the time with the doors off was it in motion how did that work that it was a, it was a mix so there were for some of the more still i mean the car is always in motion but mm. you understand what i mean by for some of the more still moments we yep. were uh, capturing it and it was a mixture there was a few days of green screen even there was a day or two of the vault uh, more than a day or two there was a, a few weeks of the volume yep. which is um, projected digital backgrounds essentially and then we had process trailer and then we had actual stunt driver on the roof or in the back of the car and the actors with the car driving solo so it was a it was a bit of a, a mixed bag but i storyboard everything whether i'm talking about action but i also storyboard dialogues especially in a film with limited space as far as positions for camera i'm trying to avoid redundancy and compositions i'm trying to i'm trying to do a few things all at the same time but but it helps quite a bit. I mean, clearly with the action, the storyboards are are mm. a wonderful help. Um, but even even for for the confined space, it proved to be a benefit. Yeah. Well, if all of those factors combined, the augmentation was seamless. Like you know, you wouldn't know from a from a viewer's perspective. Um, is shooting in a confined space tougher or easier for you? Do you prefer it? I'm, I'm beginning to embrace limitations more and more. Yeah. I'm finding limitations to be actually a gift. Mm -hmm. um, it's like, oh, can't go that way. Can't go that direction because <laughs> of whatever pragmatic reason is 
not allowing it to happen. So yeah. I, I actually embrace limitations, and I think that um, finding solutions within the parameters is always it's challenging but rewarding as well. Yeah, right. Um, does does Liam Neeson rehearse? <laughs> no. So funny enough, Liam is one of those guys who really. I'm not a director who, who enjoys doing 10 takes on a glass of water being set yep. down on the table. I generally am someone who thinks that if I don't have it within three, maybe there's something I have to readjust. Um, mm. Of course, if you're doing a more dynamic shot or you're threading a needle with the camera and you're trying to do something very complex, sometimes focal length or anything could re require you to do it a few times. Mm -hmm. um, and, and of course, we'll, we'll do it until we get it right. But generally, I think that you should have it within a limited amount of takes. The problem with Liam, if I can use, if I could say it that way, the problem yeah. with Liam is he gets it on the first take. And then there <laughs> I am, and it's perfect. The performance is rock solid. But I know that I'm gonna have an editor screaming at me if I say, hey, we did it in one. I'm always trying <laughs> to give them at least two takes just so that they have some sort of opportunity uh to go you know in a different direction if need be but with liam really he gets it in the first take and then you have to you have to consider what you're going to say next and by the way he's been in the business long enough that he can smell bull if uh if yeah, it's yeah. you can't come to him and go that was great one more you have to give him something and if you yeah. are giving him something it better have meaning yeah absolutely i i feel like whenever i watch him he's kind of acting on the fly which kind of is what you're you're going with there how does that affect the other actors like that must be a difficult thing for other actors to be bouncing off someone that's sort of you know so in the moment it certainly focuses everybody i mean <laughs> yeah. you, you certainly realize who who you're dealing with and um yeah it definitely puts mm. focus to the day excellent um so one thing I want to ask as well, another thing I really enjoy about your films is you often work in a very reliable sort of genre formula, but you always make them feel new and, um, and uncertain and interesting. I'm wondering what sort of films you look at for inspiration, particularly making Retribution. Are there any that you tap into just sort of, oh, I like what they did or I like what they did and sort of bring it together? Uh, I mean, yes, and, and I'll often actually see films. I, I rarely feel uh, like jealousy doesn't really play a part it's, if there is something similar to that, I would say it's more inspiration, where yeah. I'll see something that I, I'm just blown away by, and uh, and I say, man, I'd, I'd like to do something like that. Um, so I find I find that it's generally inspiring for me when I see something that that blows my mind, you know. And and and, and it's interesting because as time goes on, it's it's more and more difficult because especially now with the streaming services, there's just there's a an abundance of audiovisual content and mm -hmm. i always find it interesting for younger filmmakers because on one hand they have it much easier than some of the older generations and on the other hand they have it much harder because mm -hmm. in one respect you can shoot your film and cut it now on your phone i mean you, yeah. you pretty much have all the technology needed to capture a story but at the same time there is now such a there's an ocean of content most of which is absolutely trash so trying to uh having the opportunity to to stand out among the ocean of of, of trash is difficult. 
for a lot of younger filmmakers, even if they do have the technology to capture the stories. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, look, I'm going to have to wrap things up in a moment, but I want to ask you two final questions. Yeah. Um, one being, um, Liam Neeson's career has spanned decades, um, from the Bounty, Star Wars, Batman, all the way to A-Team. Do you have a favourite Liam Neeson movie? I mean, he, <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't leading the charge in that film, but I love Gangs of New York. Oh, yeah. Uh, I love Gangs of New York. Um, Good answer. Dark. I'm sorry? Good answer. <laughs> yeah, but no, I mean, he's he's such a, he's one of those guys, and I think the reason he's, he's uh, had so much success beyond clear talent is he's just personable. He's someone that we can all relate to. And, and in so many of his films over and over again, regardless of the situations, he's always able to ground them and bring bring humanity to the role. And that's what I love about the guy. Totally, completely agree. And lastly, what sort of movies do you enjoy in your downtime? It's always changing and shifting. I'm, I'm watching Better Call Saul right now, the last season, which I love. I've loved, yep. I loved uh, Breaking Bad and all of, of, of that. I mean, you know, it's not it's not the newest of films, but I thought Ex Machina was incredible. Um, yep. I mean, incredible, incredible. I'm there's so many odd little films along the way. I'm I'm, I'm forgetting things right now, but there's sometimes in my life where I'm more of a consumer of mm -hmm. of of stories and sometimes less so. I'm a bit less so right now because I'm trying to work on my own stuff, but, but sure. yeah, there's a lot of movies out there that I absolutely love and that I have great affection for. I loved Mandy. I saw Mandy not too long ago. Oh, fantastic. I loved Mandy. Talking about Nicolas Cage, Pig. Pig was great too. Yeah. Yep. I love getting nerdy with people and um, they, they have some great films, but look, it's been a real thrill for me to be chatting with you. Thanks so much Thank for your time. You for your kind words too. It does mean a lot to me, man. Well, I, I'm sincere. I really mean it. Um, and like I said, the second your name popped up, I was excited. So thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size. And today we're doing the Bat Tusi. Yes. Nobody can see this because this is an audio format. Well, I mean, some people watch Good, Good Morning Movie Monday Morning Move uh, on the videos. I'm assuming somebody in Australia has the TV. We're on TV in Australia, right? I sure. No sure. Anymore. That's what he's been telling us. I've just been waiting for those checks. It's so, Papa New Guinea. Don't tell Joe. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's fine. I, at least I'm somewhere. Somebody is watching me. Now, the best dance sequence in movie history. What is it, gentlemen? May Ooh, I go first? I don't. Yeah, it's that's not the best. It's our favorite. I just want to point that out because what I'm picking out is not the best. It's just my favorite. No, we're talking about the best. And then we're going to fight to the death in a dance sequence with knives to prove. Sure. Mine is very simple, very easy. And it is Patrick Bateman dancing to hip to be square in American Psycho. That's a good one. That's a good one. Because it's uh, kind of concerning. You picked a man who isn't he naked and covered in blood. No, he has the coat thing on. Oh, he okay. Puts it on so he doesn't get blood all over him. It's clear while he's okay. talking about it. He puts it on. Yeah, right it's clear. Him. It's clear. But yeah, he has the... clothes on under it. Okay. Okay. He has clothes on. Okay. I'm. And by I the remember. way, I don't have to defend myself to you. I think Christian Bale's a handsome man. I want to have sex with him. 
And then and I dare you to refer to me as anything other than they and them. Uh, okay. No, I've got one. I, it's honestly, it may not be the best dance sequence of all time, but it's one that gets burned into your head. And that is, of course, Buffalo Bill dancing by himself to Goodbye Horses. Goodbye Horses. Man, gentlemen, you all have picked two that I never thought, I, I just didn't think this would go this way. Well, I honestly, I, the hip to be square thing is hilarious. And and by the way, when Huey Lewis does it and Weird Al's there, that is also hilarious. Yeah, yeah. That's no, also but, good. And, and the reason, Chad, I went with that was I was trying to think because so much is so close to dancing in films, right? Like choreography, fighting, all that stuff. But you want a scene that burns its way into your brain and doesn't leave? Buffalo Bill dancing. In, and also it's been mocked by Kevin Smith. All of that, you can't go wrong with Buffalo Bill for a dance scene. If I also want to have sex up. with him as well. I, that's, I mean, that's more about you, Joe. I don't think that's necessarily a cinematic thing, but go ahead, Chad. It is when you shoot it in 245, 240. Sorry, what was I talking about? Panavision. Wow. Uh, wow. So I want to talk about uh, a dance sequence that I think perf- has the perfect uh, white man's overbite in cinema history uh there you go I, again being exclusive i want to talk about rosario dawson and clerks too oh no it's hard for me to pay any attention to anything except for one thing well a couple of things during that sequence <laughs> <laughs> so uh her her dancing to i believe the song is called burgers of love by the rsb uh in clerks too i i, I just she she is so smooth in that in that dance sequence and she's the only one doing anything while Brian O'Halloran, uh, uh, a.k.a. Dante, is just staring at her. And her dance sequence captivates you for the only, I think it's only a minute long dance sequence. As much as I love Clerks, too, uh, it's it's it truly is. And, and she gives a fantastic performance. Yeah, she captures it. Well, the problem uh, is, Randall. the problem is, it, the, the most unbelievable part in all those movies is that, and I've met Brian O'Halloran, he's the nicest guy. But that Rosario Dawson would end up pregnant with his baby. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I almost believe Flat Earthers before I believe that one. But, uh, and it, by the way, for our listeners, if you haven't seen the minute long clip of Rosario Dawson's uh, dance sequence to Burgers of Love, YouTube it. I promise you, it's one of, you know, people, when you think of dance sequences, you thought, you, I bet you would think we were going for these big spectacle musicals. Each one of us picked a solo dance. We're all they pivot wanted the to movie. have sex with Patrick Bateman. That's not true. I've had him. He's rubbish. It's rubbish. He doesn't want him again. I want my turn. <laughs> this has been Bonehead Weekly Funsies. Oh, no, I said it. You did. Oh. You did. He said it. He it's said official. It. He said it. <laughs> Funsies. <laughs> Those boneheads. Finger looking good, Ben. <laughs> Bloody oath. Now, Bloody but- ripper. This is a funny thing. We're back onto the uh, the Kentucky talk here. Before you and I had any affiliation with Kentucky, people from Kentucky, that was what we called KFC. Even now, like if I was to say to you, let's get some Kentucky, you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. You'd be like shotgun in a heartbeat. It's still Kentucky fried chicken. They (laughs) like to call themselves KFC. But like, what I want to know is like, do people living in Kentucky call it Kentucky? I'm going for some Kentucky. Or is this like uh, Brazil nuts? In Brazil, they just call them nuts type. Uh, <laughs> I'm going for some fried thing. chicken. Yeah, I'm just going for but some. But I mean, they've got Popeyes. The and, you know, they've got options for fried chicken. But I'm just yeah. wondering, like, we in Australia, if I, if, if anyone was to say to me, 
let's get Kentucky. I know exactly what we're doing. Yeah. But um, would they know? Yeah, I don't know. That's, well, a, that's a question for them. Boneheads. Uh, Chad, I should say. He listens. <laughs> he listens. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, look, I do, I, I do wonder about that. But I wonder, um, are McDonald's going to change their name to Macca's? Well, they have. There's some signs that have Macca's Just out the front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Americans would know what we're talking about if we said Macca's. Macca's, yeah. Very Aussie. Anyway, um, yeah, just wanted to get some more KFC talk in there. You never know, might oh, pick wow. up a sponsorship. <laughs> Hot rods. Oh, shit. Anyway, they were talking about dance sequences in that segment. Um, interesting one. Uh, what dance sequences would come to mind if you were talking about dance sequences? Oh, I'd probably talk about the, uh, the opening cheerleader number from Bring It On. Oh, yeah? Which is, uh, like, all the dance sequences in that film are pretty that great. That would not have come to I mind. I mean, I say dance sequences, but as... As we know from that film, cheerleaders are dancers who have gone retarded. <laughs> so it's not really, oh, fuck. it's not really dance. It's more cheer, yeah. cheer oriented. What a, but yep. you know, uh, uh, not chorus line. What's the other one? Uh, the Bob Fosse one. Fame. Uh, no, no, no. Um, oh. All that jazz. All that jazz. That's yeah. You're singing the song, but I'm talking about the, from Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the one with Roy Scheider as yeah. as Bob Fosse and wasn't that all that jazz? It's called all that yeah, jazz. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he did he did Chicago like he did the yes. for Chicago. Yeah, yes. Um, they talk about the Fosse kids in theater camp. That movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah I bet they do. <laughs> You've got your your clicks, and one of them's the Fosse the kids. The Fosse kids. <laughs> Give me a C, a bouncy C. <laughs> uh, well, I think the best dance sequence I can think of would be Fit as a Fiddle from Singing in the Rain. You know that that number that um, they do right at the start when they're doing vaudeville? Yeah. Phenomenal. It defies gravity. I like I do. I, I actually, my favorite dance sequence from Singing in the Rain is when they're doing the thing at the end when she's actually doing, uh, <laughs> is, it, I'm thinking, is she doing Singing in the Rain? No. Mm-mm. What's the song that she does at the end? Yeah, good Where question. They're, uh, they're doing that thing with their hands. Yeah, it's not Good Morning. It's, it um, is. Which is the start of our show. C sharp. <laughs> like, what key? C sharp. T ta ta ta. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, that I'd, uh, would be good. But I mean, there's so many follow up on their conversation there. But like, even like Tarantino gave us Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction dance sequences. He certainly did. Very good ones. Classic, uh, iconic. Yeah, I like it. Like, I love a good spontaneous dance sequence yep. or singing moment. Yep. In a film, my f- one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, is uh, Heavenly Bodies, and even though they're technically doing aerobics, it's basically <laughs> aerobicized dancing. Well, that movie I love, that Aussie movie Girl Awake, that has um, a oh, fantastic, fantastic dance sequence in it. Yeah, it's really, yeah. really cool. There is a great Hal Hartley did this fantastic short film that I watched at uni with um, who's that guy that's in all of his movies, Martin Donovan. Yep. And then there's one scene where he's just, I can't remember if he's on his way to a bookshop or he's just been to a bookshop. I think it's he's just been to a bookshop and he's met this woman there and he's kind of had a connection. So he's walking home and he's hmm. like in a really good mood. And then just out of nowhere, they burst into, in complete silence, <laughs> they do the whole West Side Story uh, awesome. dance, dance fight yep. with guys down this alley. And then it finishes and he just keeps walking home. And no, it just doesn't get talked about. Yeah, it's just unexplained. It's just there. And it's just so, so good. I love that kind of stuff. I really do. Um, And when it's pulled off really well, like it's like a lot of energy is being put into that choreography, that makes it even better. Yeah. Awesome. Should we recommend movies? Let's do it. All right, let's do it. Um, I'm going to go first. And this one, I've not even got notes here. I just know what I'm going to talk about. So, 
How do I relate this one? So we last week spoke to Jarrett and we talked about Dracula. Remember, we did talk about yeah, Dracula. and how it's underrated, it's held up, that it's you know it's far better now than it probably was then. The Bram Stoker's Dracula. Bram Stoker's the, Dracula, um, the Francis Ford Coppola film. The Coppola one, yep. Yes, and then you and I saw A Haunting in Venice. We did. And so I thought, this is a Kenneth Branagh moment. And I went to Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Right. So this With, is uh, De Niro? Yes, Robert De Niro as the monster, Kenneth Branagh as Dr. Victor Frankenstein. It's um, I saw this great meme <laughs> on the internet where they're like, of course the monster's name is Frankenstein. His girlfriend is called Bride of Frankenstein. Grow a brain, idiots. <laughs> it's true. And it's true. And it's true. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but look, this I just want to say right now, it's not a recommendation. I just want to talk about it. Yeah. Although I do recommend people revisit it just to make up your own minds. I have never seen it because I, I've never had that much of an interest in the Frankenstein. It, oh, I love the Frankenstein lore, uh, but mythology. I do think if it's not done right, it's not good at all. And yeah. this one was a case of... Um, I mean, I have seen the original Frankenstein. This was a case of uh, Branagh's ego taking over and everyone involved isn't that a, his entire career yeah, but everyone involved has said this was an unpleasant film i think who was it the frank darabont wrote it said right. it's the, the biggest disappointment of his career uh francis has ford he, coppola seen, produced it i mean he didn't write wild wild west but uh, <laughs> but um no of, of darabont's career of darabont's yeah, career. yeah i would say it's the biggest his, his biggest disappointment <laughs> of branner's career and um and who was it yeah francis ford coppola who produced this also said he he should have directed it because he originally intended this to be the companion to Dracula, right? Because it's a three piece. Because he was going to make Monster Squad eventually. That's what <laughs> it, was gonna, it was the original Dark yeah. Universe. It was a three piece, so it was going to always be uh, Dracula, Frankenstein, and Sleepy Hollow, because Coppola produced Sleepy Hollow as well. He was going to bring all these old classic American literatures. Oh, like yeah. Sleepy Hollow is an odd one because there's no reason why that couldn't have been uh, one of the Universal monster movies. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the story was around. So if people don't know, that is like an unofficial trilogy, those three films, Dracula yeah. and Frankenstein. But anyway, Frankenstein, it's got all the right components. Like it's it's shot really well and it begins like the novel did in Antarctica, which the entire opening act of this film is The Terror, that TV show, yeah. which well, that was another great TV show, the first season of that. But if you know, if you've seen that, then that's what the, the start of Frankenstein is, right? A ship stuck yeah. in the ice and they've got to get off somehow and they just run into... Dr. Frankenstein, who's trying to get the monster as far away from civilization as possible. Yeah. Uh, and then it goes into, you've got John Cleese in there as well. You, it goes into the um, the whole, him being a... Parker's pretzels, Parker's pretzels. A Parker's failed pretzels. sort of scientist oh. and he wants to, you know, he wants, he's someone he loves dies and he wants to just bring people back to life. He wants to yeah. cure death. He wants to reanimate. He wants to cure death. And uh, he turns to John Cleese, who's done it. And right. has, it's ruined his life. And he's like, he's warning him like, dear boy, don't do it. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, so as the classic story goes, wrong brain goes into the wrong body. And, you know, the monster is monstrous instead of being intelligent. And But it's, it's shot well, but it's a bit clunky. Right. That but actually that, makes me, you saying that just makes me want to go and watch The yeah, Man With Two Brains again. Oh, fuck. That's great. That's a great one. But when you know about Branagh's ego really taking over this film, yeah. you can see it. Like, it, he's in every shot. And he has to look as handsome as possible or as heroic as possible. Like, it is really a Kenneth Branagh showcase. It's, he's such a weird guy because he is quite charismatic. And when he's good... And I like him. That's the he's thing. He's very watchable. Yeah. But he's also and I look a like, man whose ego has clearly derailed his I career. have a funny feeling, though. Like, he's probably got a lot more humility now. I think it was that 90s Well, the testosterone period. has decreased because that, he's gotten older. <laughs> that 90s period, though, he was nothing but walking ego. 
Well, I mean, I remember how big uh, Hamlet was, the yeah. three or five hour Hamlet or whatever the fuck it was. Takes ego to make that. Remember how that was unheard of? I think it was the three hours. Yeah. You're like, Tarantino, man. No, that was four hours. Was it four hours? Yeah, four hours. Yeah, it's been done. But they did two theatrical cuts. They did a like a 120 minute cut mm. and then a four hour cut. Yeah. Which always, the Aster yeah. used to play yeah. on, a, on, you know, for for a week on end. I always preferred Mel Gibson's Hamlet. <laughs> I just did. That was better. I I took the uh, Richard the Third. I like that one. <laughs> but, the um, history, Richard. The but Third. I mean, um, Branagh did heaps of Shakespeare stuff. He did Richard the Fifth, and he did Midsummer Night's Dream, and heaps, heaps. But my favorite Branagh film as a director was probably Pete's Friends. It's like um, the big chill British style. It had Rita Rutner in it, and yeah, right. It's great. Love that one. Rita Rutner. That's a name I haven't heard in I know. a while. Emma Thompson was in it when back when he was. He left Emma Thompson for Helena Bonham Carter on the set of Frankenstein. Yeah. yeah, and then she ditched him for Tim, Tim Burton. Burton. The director of Sleepy Hollow. <laughs> and then didn't he ditched her for... Uh, <laughs> he, no, because he was going for out Johnny with... Johnny Depp. <laughs> he was going out with um, Lisa Marie. The yeah, one I think from so. from Mars so. Attacks. Yep, yep. Yeah, well, there we so. go. Oh, Tim. Tim, so. Tim, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> and Ken, Ken, Ken. And Ken, Ken, Ken. Uh, anyway, so yeah, I'd, look, I don't recommend it. <coughs> what I recommend is going for a re-evaluation just to see what you think of it. Does it hold up? I think stylistically and aesthetically, it's really interesting. Right. Lots of slimy stuff too. Well, got to so love the, the embryonic, As long as you're not Chloe, the embryonic, you love the slimy stuff. The embryonic um, fluid that, um, that he sort of you know, is birthed in, there's a whole sequence of two naked men just like wrestling in this slime. It's really weird. Didn't Alan Bates and uh, <laughs> uh, someone else do that in the? Uh, oh, I don't know, but anyway, sixties. Uh, that's enough on that. What have you got? Well, look. Funnily enough, you mentioned um, uh, Haunting in Venice. Yeah. Uh, I went to see that, not having seen any of those the the Poirot movies. I've never been a big fan of Poirot. Sure. I haven't seen any of the. Like I've I've tried a couple of times to get into the original. Yep. A Murder on the Orient Express because it's like Connery's in it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And uh, Albert Finney and and stuff. But I just, I, I, I've, <laughs> I, and I've tried since, like, since watching this. Yeah. I've gone back and tried to watch it. And I still, I make it to that first 10 minutes and I'm like, no, nah, I'll do it. <laughs> uh, but I did go back and watch the first uh, Kenneth Branagh Poirot yep. film. The new trilogy. The new yep. um, Murder on the Orient Express. And I was shocked <laughs> at how much I actually enjoyed it. Yeah, right. I mean, I find... I mean, look, I know at the time when Agatha Christie wrote this, it was like a novel idea and, you know, that whole, you know, uh, you know basically... It's, Spoiler alert. I mean, she's always done that, the, that um, you know, um, was it Ten Little Indians, which was, it's not actually called Ten Little Indians. Yep. It had another name that uh, mm -hmm. has been retconned out of existence. <laughs> uh, you know, with that, you know, people on a... Ha on a in a secluded house and they're trapped there and mm -hmm. there's a murderer amongst them. Yep. And this is the same thing. Yes. It just happens to be set on the Orient Express, which I've always well, wanted to take. All three of these films are the same thing. Yeah. Yep. They're all, you know, locked room kind of mysteries yep. um, with, you know, uh, multiple potential... Uh, it's, you know, it's Murder, She Wrote. <laughs> it's 100%. You know, I, th um, that's a, you know. Look, it's interesting too because, like, I haven't seen all three of them I do like uh, Haunting in Venice the most out of all of them. But as I've watched that and I've contemplated and I've thought about the whole series, I like Murder on the Orient Express now more than I did when I watched it. Yeah. Like, retrospect has been kind. And Death on the Nile, like, I was surprised how much I enjoyed that. And what I think I like the most is Kenneth Branagh. Yeah. His version of Poirot is funny. It's like, um, 
really nuanced. It's but still, still like totally arrogant. Yeah, and the ego is through the roof. But still, but yet still funny. Yeah, like he introduces himself as probably the greatest detective of, in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. He's, he's he's modest. <laughs> I mean, I would love to see. I would love to see them do a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, but with the Agatha Christie characters <laughs> ah, and get yeah. Miss Marple and oh yeah, yeah, and they all have to have like it's like a it's a mad 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 world Bell where they're mines. all. Trying to solve a crime yep. and it's a race, yeah. Oh. You know, and get uh, you know. I mean, it's you couldn't do it with um, if you just did detectives, not just Agatha Christie ones. Yeah, yeah. then you could get the Pink Panther in there and uh, or Clouseau, not the Pink Panther, but Clouseau, <laughs> Clouseau yeah, uh, in there and you know, that'd be great. Well, that'd be great. And I did watch, but yeah, look, I, look going, just getting back to yeah. the thing, I did thoroughly enjoy Murder on the Orient Express. So if you haven't seen it? Do check it out. I also, while I was away, and I think I may have mentioned this briefly uh, on the on the show but while I was in the UK uh, on TV there they there's a new Agatha Christie series called White or like it was a you know four part four or five part you know mini series type thing yep <laughs> we've got a there's a fly in the building <laughs> it's the the fly that landed on Dara Breen's head if you if you watch Mock the Week you'll know what I'm talking about um, Vincent Price uh, <laughs> uh, written by James Clavell uh, uh, it is um why didn't they ask Evans? Is the right. show? It's okay. Will Poulter and Lucy Boynton. It's great. It's really, it's a really good uh, uh, series worth checking out if you're into that kind of Agatha Christie. Cool. Oeuvre. Does that mean you've still got, um, in terms of the Kenneth Branagh stuff, you still got um, Death on the Nile to go? I still have both the this and the Peter Houston of Death on the Nile. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, cool. Which I want to see because I've been. I've been told by <laughs> certain friends of the show that that is the must-see and fuck the <laughs> Kenneth Branagh version. Oh, so well, I'll watch the Kenneth Branagh version yeah. first. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole Kenneth Branagh trilogy is a whole different thing. Like, it's just, yeah. it's its own... I think he's deliberately separated them or intentionally separated them from the others and well, created I his mean, own thing. That is the problem because they are based on books. Yeah. That, you know, People you kind are precious of... About yeah, if yeah. you have seen the originals, you know who did it. Yeah. Or you know, you know what the twist is, what the MacGuffin is. Yeah, I think he was clever to choose yeah. um, the story of the Halloween party for uh, for Haunting in Venice because not a lot of people have heard of this one. Yeah, um, and it is like a soft horror film, like it's a good little Halloween movie. Yeah, and it's, um, well, it's it's Poirot debunking a haunted mansion movie. Yeah, yeah, so fun. Anyway, cool. And Emma Laird is in it from uh, Mayor of. Uh, that's Kingstown right. That That's I was where you were going at before. before. Um, so, what, what are the odds we'd both do a Kenneth Branagh recommendation? That was not planned. No, not at all. Wonderful. Love it. Love it. I mean, that'll stroke his ego. Because he's listening. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> he's, got, he's got a Google alert set up every time uh, his name gets mentioned. How good was Dead Again? I loved it again. Look, I expected to love it a lot more than I actually did. Yeah. I did not. It did not really hit for me. I was obsessed with that back in the day. Uh, mainly because I really didn't like his American accent. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I mean, I loved Campbell Scott. I loved you know, Emma Thompson being in it. Yeah. There was a lot of things to recommend it. it was just, that accent, it's... I love the, just the cross between time. Like, yeah. you know, the reincarnation elements of it. I love that. I just don't know why they couldn't have just said it in the UK, considering it was yeah. a, a mainly a UK Absolutely car. Absolutely could have. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he was trying to become an American. He was trying to cross yeah. over, yeah. Alrighty, so we've hit the end of the show. Do you want to take us out, Ben, or should I? You do it. Mate. <laughs> All right, just you know, just 
throwing your bone. Like, I look, know. I appreciate, I appreciate uh, all bones thrown my way, but this time I'm handing it back. Well, thank you everyone for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the conversations. Um, you might now have some television shows to go and explore. Who knows? So many good. TV hope you are. Uh, hope you enjoyed the interview as well. Uh, check out that movie; it's fantastic. Um, I didn't even talk about uh, <laughs> American-born Chinese either. No, no well, great show. Yeah, well, yeah. part two. We'll get ready for terrific TV. Tuesday. Exactly it. Exactly. You've got some work on your hands. <laughs> <laughs> so um, if you love the video content we put up now is the time to go over to our social media pages because we are going to perform a dance to Goodbye Horses you ready to tuck Ben? would you fuck me? <laughs> I'd fuck me <laughs> there is you cannot hear this song without visualising no and I love you know there's that um, the Viking <laughs> that Viking skinhead guy walking down the street and then they put this song over it I fucking love it I love it but I mean, like, did did the movie immortalize this song well? Like, do you yeah. think like the what was it? Q Lazarus was the uh, the artist. Yeah, were they grateful to Silence of the Lambs for doing Surely this? Surely, only Huey Lewis is uh, you know, enough of a dingus <laughs> to get upset that his film is that his song is linked to a, a you know phenomenal scene in a in a horror film. <laughs> Uh, I think I think they'd be uh, wrapped in it. Yeah, they look, should be anyway. I'm ready to I'm ready to do but this. As, but what's amazing is that, like as a much of a banger as this song is, there's always there's also that uh, it puts the lotion on in on its skin <laughs> oh. song, which is also a banger. Look, both of which have had time on this show. We've played this before and we've played that before, you know. Yeah. But um, there will be a, maybe a second and round I, of that one. I'm a big fan of that meme that's going around with the little Asian girl. And they're like, if this song, if I was down the well and this song came on, I, this is what I'd be doing and just dancing to the. <laughs> All right, we'll catch you next week, everyone. Have a good one. See ya.
my hopes and dreams alive.